Hello out there, it's Paul Mosenson from New Spark Consulting, fractional CMO and digital marketer. Um, welcome to the podcast and the stream, if I do it, <laughs> which is um, always interesting. And today my guest is Mike Maynard. Now he's from overseas in the UK, right? I'm on Mike. That's right. Hi, Paul. Thank you very much for having me on the podcast. Surely, surely. So introduction to you, right? You're a CEO of Napier and you're a B2B marketing agency, right? Um, you know, you've worked on client side and agency side like me, um, have helped some of the biggest B2B brands and markets from semiconductors to, boy, airport logistics systems. <laughs> All right, then. Um <laughs> You um, built from a seven-person boutique agency to uh, a company with almost 50. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Um, and you have a, also a, a cool network of freelancers to help promote the growth and acquisition of clients. That's really good. I do the same thing, so that's good. Um, well, we're going to talk about high-level topics on B2B marketing today, right? And, um, you know, with a focus on account-based marketing, um, you know, where we talk about, you know, lead generation, like, you know, everybody, you know, when you talk about a C-level audience, right, you know, I know they're always focused on sales and growth and things like that. And I'm always educating how the importance of marketing is. You know, if you went up to a, a CEO and said, like, you know, Mike, what exactly is B2B marketing to you and the importance of that? Oh, that's, that's a great question. I think, um, you know, if you look at marketing, that there's almost sometimes a bit of a snobbery that considers consumer marketing to be really cool because it's TV ads, um, whereas B2B is perhaps seen as being a little less sexy. Um, but to me, I mean, B2B marketing is fascinating because what you're doing is you're trying to get a group of people to decide to, to spend money on something. Um, there might be a product, it might be a service, but usually it's a group of people. There's a what we call a, a decision-making unit over here, and I think in the States tend to be called a buying committee. Um, and to me, that's fascinating because it's not just, you know, consumer where you're getting one person to maybe make a bit of an impulse purchase. You're actually trying to, you know, help this group of very different people make a decision about something that's quite complex and usually quite expensive. And that, again, is exciting. You know, the amount of um, impact you can get in terms of, you know, each individual sale could be huge in B2B. So, you know, B2B marketing is really important, but ultimately what it's trying to do is get people from, you know, a position where maybe they don't know about your company. So you build awareness all the way through to, to getting to the point where they're just about ready to buy um, or sometimes online actually even buying. Obviously, a lot of B2B, the final sale is actually done through a person, um, but it's, it, it's a huge percentage of that, uh, that sales journey that you're responsible for. Well, you know, I, I kind of put it in a different perspective here, close, you know, is, um, you know, it, you kind of segue into like demand generation, what that means, right? And, you know, for any product service, SaaS product, no matter what it is, right? You know, why do we advertise on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, TikTok, trade journals, email, all this, you know, what we're trying to do, we're trying to grab someone's attention, of a pro of a of a problem they might have, right? And and that's what you know really marketing is is you know over frequency time is, um, do I need this? Do I want this? Right? Because otherwise we're just using search engines to find what I we've already decided I need something to go to a search engine. Yeah. 
but everything else in marketing is all about to me is um, this company knows my problem. Can they help me? Because am I ready to buy it? Maybe, maybe not, but at least I'm clicking, right? So I, I love that definition, Paul. I think that that's great because increasingly in B2B, what people are doing is providing more complex products and more complex services. And, and it's often very hard for a customer to know what they want to buy. They know what they want to solve, but they, they don't know what they want to buy. So I, I love that idea of, you know, helping people see, see, you know, what problem they've got and then the solution to it. Great, great. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And you know what? Even though there's a solution, guess what? As we just spoke about, there's a buying committee, right? Yeah. Someone's got to um, approve something that a uh, somebody who's the contact at a sales company you know, they're all trying to sell internally now. They're right. They're, they're your advocate, right? You know, and I think people don't think about that as much in the sales side. And you could probably relate when there's, um, you know, I spoke about this with other people is, you know, okay, so you who's getting the contract, right? I mean, somebody's got to like look at the website or whatever and get validation that, yeah, these guys are good. These guys are good, right? So, um, so that's all part of it. You know, I, I think there's a lot, there should be probably more marketing to the advocates at a company to how to sell the CFO or something on the solution. You know, that's just me. But um, anyway, any thoughts on that? I, I think it's a great point. And I think the, the most important thing to remember is that buying committee, people have very different motivations. And quite often the, the guy who's the buyer, the person you, you think you're selling to, has very different motivations. You know, they, they might want to solve a particular problem with, you know, whatever it is, you know, that they, they perhaps have got a, a factory they want to improve, you know, productivity on. The CEO, he doesn't want the shareholders shouting at him. And and I think, you know, the the level of um, of like different influences and, and uh, different concerns is huge. And a lot of B2B companies, they market at the person they think the buyer is. And then a lot, oftentimes that content on the website isn't right for a CFO or a purchaser or anybody else in, in the, the organization. You've got to think beyond that, that guy you believe is responsible for the purchase order because typically they're not. Typically it's a group of people. Yeah, yeah, but at least you get in the door, right? And, you know, so that's the first part of it, right? But, um, yeah. Now we're talking about, I do a lot of these things with um, on my business, which is about you know driving leads with companies that have clues. They need your solution, right? You know, we provide clues. That's my message, right? You know, we talk about that with targeting and things like that. You know, there's lots of ways to target people with clues, like I build lead magnets and things like that. And um, you know, what's your um, for your clients? Like, where do you focus on like? targeting to reach the the ideal prospect yeah i mean there's lots of things we do so um we we actually have a process we go through um but in terms of, of the the element within that process around audience of the stage we call focus um it's around two key tools that we use one is um persona definition so you basically create a persona for the person you're trying to reach um, and that's really important. You've got to understand what drives the people, uh, you know, who you're trying to talk to, because you need to talk about their pain points, not what you perceive might be important. Um, and then the second thing would be a buyer's journey. 
Um, and it's really about looking at the process people go through when they buy a product. And obviously that can be very different depending upon the kind of product they buy. You know, we have clients who can, you know, literally sell products through uh, an email direct to an e-commerce site. Um, and we have other clients where the sales cycle is measured in, you know, years or even, you know, more than 10 years. Um, so I think understanding those two things are really important in terms of being able to build a campaign that's effective. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, we talk about intent and things like that. And, you know, that's where the lead magnets come in or any kind of, you know, whether you believe in like the um, intent targeting companies, you know, or, you know, people visiting websites with content on it, are they actually ready to buy or are we just targeting them because of contextual, you know, and all these kinds of things. I mean, you got to test a lot, right? And um, but I always say like, the channel, the targeting is one thing, but so is the message and the offer, right? And, you know, so they all have to align. And I always look at that. And I'm sure you do also is, you know, we're not testing for testing's sake unless we have a way to test it with a special offer. Yeah, I, I mean, you've brought up, I think, the most important uh, bit of marketing, which is testing. Um, and the great thing, particularly about digital, but it's not always just been digital, is the ability to test easily. Um, because, you know, I'll be honest, Normally, as experienced marketers, we can get pretty close to what's going to work, but there'll be times we don't get it right. Um, and the only way to really know what's going to work is to test and keep testing. Um, and, and that's an optimization process. It's not necessarily a pass-fail. It's about getting better. Um, and to me, you know, one of the things you know, I do feel about marketing is that testing should be embraced even more widely. It seems to be something that you know, people in the programmatic space absolutely are bought into. But actually, when you look at things like messaging, you know, quite often companies aren't prepared to go out and test messaging. They they sit, they develop that all internally, and then they kind of announce it to the world and hope that the world loves it. Um, and to me, actually spending a little bit more time testing it is probably a much more sensible and more effective way to do it. Yeah, totally. Um, totally agree. <laughs> I mean, it's, <laughs> but there's so many things you can test anyway, right? Um, like, you know, the easy ways of subject lines for emails, you know, but, um, you know, but, you know, you bring up a, a bigger picture as I always talk to clients and our people is like, how do you define what works? What does working mean? Did it work? You know, the CEO is going to say, did it work? Did what work? You know, or white paper, or did it work? You know, like, how do you define, you know what I mean? It's like, well, let's see. Um, we downloaded a hundred people. So our cost per lead was this. Um, and then out of those a hundred, you know, maybe 90% of them were qualified. And then they went through our nurture process and we try, you know what I mean? And we tried to keep going on and maybe we got like three opportunities out of it and maybe one sale. And that sale was worth this amount of dollars. So we had a good ROI out of this content marketing plan. Oh, I just made that up, but you know what I mean? <laughs> but, but I think, I mean, the, the, the problem is, and, and we've all done this. I mean, I'm not going to say I've never done this. People run a campaign without thinking about what they're trying to achieve. Um, and to me, at the end of the campaign, if you're saying, did it work? You, you're asking the wrong, you're at the wrong place, wrong question, wrong place. What you should be doing at the start of the campaign is asking, why are we doing this? Um, and if the goal of the campaign is to get one customer that's got a good ROI and that's what you achieve at the end, that's fantastic. Um, so I think 
you know, often we rush into doing stuff. We do stuff. We, we, we're, we're trained to create content, to get it in front of people, to use it, um, to, to drive leads and get registrations. So, you know, that's kind of our training. That's our comfort zone. And actually, sometimes we need to step out and say, yeah, why on earth are we spending time doing this? Why are we spending money on this project? Um, and if you do that at the start, I think you tend to get much better analysis than if you do it at the end. I mean, you've mentioned ROI, for example. Um, you know, if you run a white paper and it gets a sale and the ROI is five, is that good or bad? I mean, I don't know. You know, it, it's not as good as 10. It's better than two, but that's about as far as I can tell you. Um, so I think, again, if you're, you're at the start and you really understand why you're doing something, then quite often that the analysis, the, the evaluation at the end is simple. Well, you know, with marketing and sales alignment, you know, part of that is also how good the sales team is anyway, right? You know, you know, you know how the deal is. Uh, we can't close these leads. It must be the leads. No, it must be your sales process, right? <laughs> you know, like, no, you, no, you, no, you, right? So um, being funny, but it's still out there, right? Like, you know, we're spending the company's money on white papers and content and this and that. Um, if the salespeople aren't customizing their proposals and, you know, and not, you know, and not promoting trust and credibility. Well, we did our job, right? So, um, you know, so it's it's really like optimizing the entire funnel, which is I've always done. So. Yeah, I think so. And, and again, that makes it difficult because there's two questions really you're asking is one, why are we doing marketing? And then why are we running this campaign? Um, and often the campaigns, they do rely on salespeople to uh, close them. And actually, you know, if you look, we work a lot in tech. You know, th there have been situations where we're running campaigns. There isn't going to be a sale immediately at the end because nobody can get the product. The semiconductor shortage has been huge for, for some companies. So the goal is not to get a sale. It's maybe to engage people. It's maybe to identify leads for the future. And it's, it's really understanding why you're doing it rather than just looking at the end and going, well, did we sell anything or not? Because often actually the campaign wasn't designed to sell and the campaign's not going to sell on its own. I mean, we, we sell, you know, as you mentioned, you know, logistic systems for airports. So basically the whole system that handles your baggage within an airport, um, that's not going to be sold from an email, trust me. You know, there's going to need, uh, you know, people involved. It's going to need consultancy. It's going to need proposals. It's, it's going to depend on so many things, not just the, the ability of the sales force, but actually the availability of engineering teams and also what competitors are doing. And, and you know, often you'll see in a situation where you, you, you're competing, there might be a competitor that's really struggling. They're desperate. They're just going to cut the price to win the business. Does that mean the marketing was unsuccessful? No, absolutely not. Because long-term, you've still got a lead, you can work. And the next time round, your competitor is no longer going to be able to you know, sell at a loss. They're going to have to move the prices up, but they're going to look like the bad guys rather than the saviors. So I think you know, really thinking about what you're doing at the start of the campaign, that, that's what's important. Well, everything has to have an objective, right? And, uh, but also how do you measure it? That's the point, right? Yeah. You know, and everybody can do it their own way. And don't give me click through rate, give me uh, yeah. lead conversion rate, you know, like click through rates, you know, like we're measuring television for view rates. Well, good. Um, we didn't get any sales, but it's five fifty percent of people watch the whole video. Like, yeah. right. So, you know, it's a, it depends on how you want to measure it. Like the big picture, right. Is um, did it contribute to a sale? And that's what attribution is all about. Um, that's a whole nother topic, by the way. But I want to switch gears for a second and um, talk about like something that is, you know, 
it's been in the like the press and B2B for a few years now and probably still confusing the C-level people is with this concept of account-based marketing. You know, we have inbound marketing, we have outbound marketing, we have search marketing. Is account-based part of everything or is it a separate entity or like, like do we, what's the plan for that? Like, how would you start off with explaining account-based marketing to someone who, um, or a company that says, you know, what is that and should we be doing it? So I, I'm a huge fan of account-based marketing. I, you know, we do quite a lot of it for clients, but equally, I think the word, the term has been completely confused a lot by marketing technology companies that are trying to associate it with all sorts of different approaches um, and often quite a lot of complexity. You know, to me, account-based marketing is simple. If you do a great account-based marketing campaign, what you're doing is you're focusing your marketing dollars on doing the best possible marketing for the companies that are going to make the biggest difference to your bottom line. That's it. Um, and it's about focus and it's about personalization. If you can do, do that, you're, you're probably doing account-based marketing without realizing it. Um, so we have clients that will, for example, that they'll be marketing to, you know, hundreds of thousands of companies globally, potentially, and they'll want to focus down to maybe the top thousand or something like that. Or we'll have clients um, that actually have a very small number of potential customers, but they'll want to focus on one or two they believe are going to close this year. Um, so, you know, the big project kind of companies that, that are selling these huge projects, they might want to focus down and just say, you know, I'm going to spend a quarter on one company and I'm going to create the best possible content for that one company. Um, and I'm going to make sure that as much as possible, my advertising dollars focus that content on that one company. And that's quite common in areas like consulting. So um, if you see consultancy business, they're often very account driven because there's a small number of companies that make a huge difference. You know, if you're you're looking to target industrial companies, you can you can go and do marketing through, um, you know, for example, some of the um, the industrial automation publications. You're targeting tens, hundreds of thousands of people. Um, but actually, you know, if you're the kind of company that works with the biggest auto or you know industrial companies, go target GE, go target Boeing, go target you know. And, and spend your marketing dollars on the guys that can spend a huge amount of money rather than, you know, Mike's manufacturing company that's like one guy in a shed. <laughs> right. Well, but I'm going to challenge you a little bit, right? Um, even though it's a, it's a tactic, right? But I'm just going to like, you know, from my stand, my vantage point, because you just gave me some ideas, by the way. But, um, well, you're talking about going after companies, but you don't know if they have the need. So it's kind of like cold outreach, though, but it's targeted cold outreach unless, you know, you find that those companies may have a need for your service. I mean, I mean, how do you answer that? Like, am I is a salesperson wasting their time if they don't have a need to, to do all that work to reach the individual people? If, um, you know, like, what's your thoughts on that? So that's a great question. And I'd love to be able to say, no, do you know what? Account-based marketing, it removes that problem of finding a need. It's all simple. It's not. And I'm going to be honest that there are campaigns that get run that target companies that don't have a need. There's a couple of things that make it easier, I think, for account-based marketing to identify companies that have a need. Um, firstly, you're focusing on a small number of companies. You can actually understand those companies individually. Um, and so... 
you know, I, I'm going to give an example. Does does GE need some, um, you know, IT outsourcing support? I guarantee they do. Won't necessarily know exactly what it is exactly, what, but but I know there's a need there. There's, there's some sort of need. So, you know, immediately we can easily say, yeah, we can do that. Maybe we can do a bit of research because we're only looking at a small number of companies and actually find out. The other thing, and, and what a lot of smart companies do, is they're not sitting there, you know, in their ivory tower going, I'm going to pick this company, this company, and this company, right, let's go. They're actually picking companies for good reasons. Um, and there can be reasons like, for example, you've seen a lot of engagement on your website, you've seen people um, engage with your content and fill in leads, suddenly you know that there's maybe not necessarily definitely a need, but there's certainly interest there, that there's, there's activity that as you say, is an indication of intent or potential intent. Um, or perhaps they're working with a sales team. And you talked about this sales marketing alignment, which is super important. The sales team know that a competitor is working with a particular company and their contract's up for renewal. Go focus on that company because you've got a window to win that business. You're not going to win it when the, the contract's just signed. You've got to go win it when the contract's coming up for renewal. So I think there's lots of ways... ABM actually helps you understand the need much, much better than trying to do, you know, broader mass marketing. Um, and there's also ways you can use some of your broader marketing to inform your ABM and really understand which of those potential customers you should go after because they're engaging and therefore showing signs of intent. Mm. I'm going to kind of dumb it down a little bit. <laughs> And um, because, you know, you, you just mentioned the intent, which is what I'm big on, of course, and for efficiency purposes, but, you know, for clients, I've done this and I'm just going to use a example of an IT company that um, we did lead magnets for back then they were called white papers, you know, mm -hmm. um, you know, but anyway, um, that was the clue. Now, if somebody downloads or engages with your content for example or your website and you're like a manager title i mean you're already saying that the company might have a need which is why he's doing it in the first place and so then you might say this it becomes more like account-based sales than anything right which is basically okay who else is at that company we should outreach to right because he may not be a decision maker at least we know the company itself might have a clue that they look might be looking for something right and and so maybe you use these tools and whatever you find the other contacts and you make calls or you do emails and I'm not going to promote different tools to find email addresses they're all out there or whatever right but um well the point of the matter is is um or LinkedIn right like hey you know we might have a scenario where okay some director downloaded a a guide that solves a business problem so let's go and reach out and connect to his bosses or something right you know and try. You know, these are just examples, but I think, you know, that's a, a scenario of, okay, one person identified at a company that there might be a problem. So let's go after the key decision makers and maybe customize messaging based on, you know, personas, right? You know, so, um, you know, so I'm just thinking about those things and, you know, ideally um, they can be executionable. I think you make a great point. I love that, that comment about account-based sales, because I think, you know, quite often it's really hard to draw the line between what's account-based marketing and account-based sales. Um, and actually, if you're not working with sales, it's highly unlikely you're going to have a great account-based marketing campaign. Um, you know, partly because you've probably not got the intelligence from the salespeople about what's going on on the ground. 
Um, and also partly because if you're running that campaign, you want the sales team focusing on the same customers that you're focusing your marketing on. Um, there's little point having the sales team focusing on one group of customers if your marketing's, you know, specifically targeted to another group. So, you know, I, I do think it's important. And, and I think this is where, you know, maybe I, I differ from some of the, the account-based marketing zealots who are like, you know, you create this list of the top potential customers and you target those top potential and, and that's it. It's like, no, you talk to your sales team, you work out where you think you're going to close some business. And that's where you spend, not necessarily all by any means, but, but just a bit more focus of your marketing dollars around those ones you think are most likely to close or most likely to give you the biggest revenue. Um, and that's account-based marketing. Um, and I think, again, it's that overthinking about, you know, how complex do we need to make it? How do we be? It's just like have a chat with your sales team. Have a look at what's going on on your website. Um, you know, see who's engaging and use all that to, to build a campaign that basically relates to where you know the opportunity is. Yeah, for sure. Um, is there any um, else or advice about the success of ABM campaigns that you want to portray? Anything else? Um so I think with ABM, you know, one of the things you can do is because you're you're taking your budget, you're focusing it on a relatively small part of the market, typically, um, you can actually do campaigns that reach across different channels. Um, so let's say you're doing an email marketing campaign out to your database. You, your, your target accounts are going to get that. You might want to then target specific people through LinkedIn. But also look at, you know, creating content that's maybe specifically targeted to them. Build these multi-channel campaigns. Look at, uh, you know, perhaps other social channels. Maybe you're doing some retargeting. Um, you know, all of that. Think about how you can build different um, elements of the campaign that are all targeted. You know, and again, it's more or less, don't worry if it's not 100%. You know, if it, it's roughly in the right direction, that's going to be more effective than complete scattergun. Um, and I think, you know, what, what people who are not doing account-based marketing should do is forget about trying to be perfect. Forget about this perfect ideal of account-based marketing. Just try and focus your budget a little bit more on what's going to move the needle. And you'll probably find you get much better results. Moving the needle. Here we go again about what's working, right? <laughs> you know, like, what does the needle mean? Like, how do you, especially when you talk to like top management at a company, like we talked about that before is, you know, you've got to decide you know, when you're assessing the results of your company and and what the marketing has done to attribute to the growth, like what do you, um, what questions would they have and how do you answer some of these, you know, important topics about, um, you know, how are we doing? How are we doing? You know, so. Yeah, yeah. and it's really hard because ultimately you do want to, you know, and I hate to use the cliche again, but, you know, move the needle for the CEO. That's what you want to do. Um, but actually, the CEO probably cares about the share price. There's a million different things going to impact that share price. And your marketing campaign is only going to be part of it. So I think you've got to look at the whole picture. You've got to try and see, you know, what are we trying to achieve? Is that ultimately a step towards, you know, increasing profits, growing the business, improving the share price? If you're doing that, that that's probably moving the needle. Um, but it, it's why... It's why we've not been taken over by robots, because it's not a simple um, question to answer. You know, and, and I think it goes back to this, this question about analyzing performance of campaigns. You know, it's important to set goals at the start, but what is the right goal? It, you know, it's not always easy to do. And that that's, uh, requires you know, experience. It requires somebody who's kind of got under the skin of the business 
um, and, and has a feel as to what the business needs to improve and to grow and to make more profit. Um, and, and that's, I think, always going to be subjective. You know, and one of the great things about these podcasts is we can talk about topics and we can we can almost talk about them and say, yeah, yeah, there's a sequence of things. You do this, you do that. It's a magic answer at the end. It's all going to work. Actually, the truth is it's not. It, it, it is difficult and it does need people to apply judgment. Um, and to me, you know, that judgment, and this all links back to stuff we've talked about, um, is important. And the only way you can know if your judgment's correct is to test it. Um, and so again, it comes back well, to that testing we talked about. The, the downside of testing is uh, the patience and the budget, right? Yeah. You know, and data, right? And all this other. I mean, if you're a small business, sometimes you can't. You're at the mercy of uh, a, a crap. I set up a campaign and it didn't work as well as I thought. Oh, I'm, you know, I'm in trouble, right, or something. But um, you know, but you if you put the plan together and it's approved, you understand the targeting, you understand the messaging. Um, Sometimes things are just, you know, maybe it's timing or maybe it's, you know, like I said, this day and age, you know, of uh, complacency and, um, you know, and, but, you know, there's a lot of people still researching on the internet for solutions. Everybody's always trying to improve something. The question is, is now the time or is later the time? You know, what's our priority? You know, especially when you have, you know, audiences are just used to a certain system, you know, like, how many times are our project management tools we try? Let's try ClickUp. Let's try this. Let's try that. You know, it just emailed to me. You know, so, um, you know, because you got to get people on board for these kinds of um, deals. Yeah. And I think you mentioned small businesses having particular problems. Actually, I can tell you, you know, we work with with big global businesses and they have problems, you know, that they've got one chance at it. Maybe it's an event they're trying to promote or something they can't really test. Um, and those things are tough. Um, and I get it with small businesses. It's often because of budget. But actually, I think small businesses over time can build up that testing. If they, if they have a commitment to testing, yeah, it's true for a particular campaign, they may only have budget to run you know, one ad or one message or whatever it is, that's fine. But next time, try something different and then try and work out why those results are different. Um, you know, small business is fascinating because actually, you know, whilst it can be hard, there's, there's limitations, Actually, you don't need a huge amount of, uh, you know, additional change in terms of customers to make a really big difference to that business. And I find that really exciting. Yeah, me too. So this is uh, some really good information. And it's a good to get a rehash on, you know, B2B marketing in general with someone uh, like you that we can uh, talk shop, so to speak. And, um, you know, and go through some high level strategies to think about. Um, I always ask a, pod a, pod a podcast guest is um, what kind of, um, as we near the end here, is what kind of advice would you give to CEOs who are interested in this topic and how would you close it out? So I think CEOs you know, are in a really interesting position because often I feel that they feel a little bit divorced from marketing. They, they don't typically don't come from a marketing background. Um, right. marketing is not something they can directly see in terms of the figures that they're putting in their annual report or, you know, looking at the profit at the end of the year, it, it's really tough for CEOs. And so I, I think, you know, CEOs, firstly, they need to engage marketing. And if you look at what's happening, particularly in B2B, um, but also in B2C, you know, people are doing more and more research on their own online before they buy. Um, and so actually more of what the customer is doing is, is impacted by marketing less is being impacted by sales that is is increasing as a trend it's increased 
quite quickly because of COVID, and it's going to continue increasing. People are going to continue online research. So CEOs have got to take an interest in marketing because it matters more today than it did yesterday, trust me. Um, but I think you know what they need to do is they need to, to basically be prepared to ask the question that, that might feel like the dumb question, but actually is a really important question, a question that as marketers, we're not always great at, at thinking about, which is why are we doing this campaign? What are we trying to achieve? Um, and if CEOs can talk to the marketers in that way, it's going to help the CEO understand what, what marketing team is going to do. But actually, it's going to let the marketing team engage with the CEO and find out whether what they're trying to achieve matters to the CEO. So it benefits both sides. It's kind of almost sure. a coaching approach to, to marketing. Yeah, right. Well, I want to thank you for joining me today. Well, thank you so much, Paul. I've really enjoyed the conversation. Yeah, by the way, for anybody listening out there, um, everything that you heard was all chat GBT. It wasn't us. And um, just so you know, um, no, I'm only kidding. And, um, you know, it's 2023. So that's when we're doing this. And um, who knows what will happen next year at this time. But just thought I'd say that. And, uh, but anyway, um, no, it's always good conversation to really understand the importance of marketing and sales together and um, looking at different strategies and tactics and testing and at the end of the day, you know, again, we're always trying to, you know, you know, now there's growth people and revenue people all trying to bring things together. And at the end of the day um, is what we're doing working, right? And you have to identify that, you know, with, um, you know, short and long-term ROI and things like that. And, you know, include, you know, lifetime value in your metrics, because that's important. It shows better ROI when you have customers that last a long period of time because of the lead you generated. So um, all these kinds of things. So I appreciate the time today and um, we'll uh, talk to everybody again soon.